wonderful, wonderful ministry, and you'll see the uh, fruits of it here in the weeks and months ahead, uh, and uh, as we reach out and bless. You know, we talk about food shortages and things here, and you and I both know that food shortage here in the Youngstown-Warren area is nothing like food shortages in many other parts of the world, right? Here, food shortage usually means you can't get the type of cereal you usually get, (laughs) or oh, well, I guess I won't eat eggs this week. I'll save it till next week. But, uh, you know, there's much suffering that goes on around the world. So thank you for being faithful. And if you are not uh, giving periodically to, to our missions, you can do so. It's very simple, I guess, online, or you could just drop it in the offering uh, as you re- remember to do so periodically. So amen. Take your Bibles. Open them to Philippians. We are continuing on in Philippians. We're in the fourth chapter. <clears throat> And we are going to start right off in verse 1, which is actually a part of the third chapter. Uh, We we finished up those thoughts last week in the third chapter. Fourth chapter of Philippians, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, of course, basing this on everything he previously said, My beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche. And I love the way he puts that. He doesn't say I implore both of them. He he gives an implore to each one of them. (laughs) I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche, two, two women, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, to help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Wonderful, wonderful way to end that little thought. Now, first thing I need to just clarify is, uh, generally when, when you get into a passage like this and you talk about two women. <laughs> Pastor Grandi, you're the only one that said amen to that. I, I remember when I was working at the uh, headquarters for an organization and, and we had, there were two secretaries there, and I think I said this before, there were two secretaries there and, <clears throat> and uh, they were... They had just gone through a transition on the software. One was an accountant, the other one was, was the secretary. And so they were leaning over the desk, going through all of this stuff and everything. And I don't know, for some reason, I was just in the spirit, you know. I was just studying the word or something, you know. And I walked in, I was studying something about, I don't even know what it was, but it was about attitudes and there was something about a woman. I might have been reading something in scripture. And I walked in there and they were, they were doing their thing and I said, what could what could be worse than a woman with a bad attitude? And the one woman looked up at me and said, two. <laughs> and I, I said, avoid all eye contact, just back out of the room. <laughs> so, but men can, of course, get bad attitudes as well. But the reason I say that is uh, there's nothing wrong here at Emmanuel. Everything's fine. Everybody's wonderful. No one, I'm not yelling at anyone. It just happens to be this portion of Scripture that we're going through. And what's nice about this is you can preach this portion of Scripture and everything's fine and, and you're not yelling at anybody. So I'm not yelling at anybody. Everything's fine. It just happens to be where we are. So we've learned some wonderful principles from this passage of Scripture that will help us. So that's what we're doing today. Last week we saw the importance of walking and not stopping, right? Uh, and, and staying true to the Lord, keeping our eyes on Christ, remembering that this world is not our home. We have a citizenship which is in heaven focusing on that day when Christ will bring everything fully under his control, steadfastly resisting all the negative influences, the temptation, the frustrations, the anxiety, the false teaching, the persecution, whatever it might be. And so we talked about our walk. Today we're going to talk about our worship 
And I entitled it Worship because to be a true worshiper of Jesus is a corporate thing. It's a body thing. Yes, we can individually worship tomorrow morning. I hope you worship the Lord at work or whatever you're doing. I hope you're singing praises to him. I hope you're worshiping him. But to worship Jesus as a true believer is a corporate thing. We can't be single Christians. We can't be worshipers alone. We need each other. I like the way Hebrews, the 10th chapter puts it. He says, let us draw near with a true heart. That's individually. Let us draw near in full assurance of faith. Let us hold firmly our profession of faith without wavering. But then immediately he jumps into the body. Let us consider how to spur one another to love and good works. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, as is common with some, especially as we see the day approaching. And then he says, for if we willingly continue to sin. So it's an interesting uh, dialogue that he goes through there. He starts with individual, but he ends up in the body. Could it be, could it be that we help each other to stay holy? I think we do. Brothers and sisters do that. I've told people many times, many times, just by entering the church on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or, or a Bible study that you're in or a small group prayer meeting, whatever it might be, just by entering that thing, no matter how lousy you feel, no matter how depressed you are, no, how, no matter how much you think everybody hates you, no matter how much you dislike the music, no matter how much you don't want to be there, and I'm not talking about the pastor, <laughs> <clears throat> It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit will begin to work in you in ways that you cannot understand simply because you are with the body. It's true. Things will begin to happen in your heart and your spirit and your mind just because you're here because we're only two or three are gathered. He's there in the midst. So it's so important for us to gather and do that. Uh, we all, and, and of course, now we're going to be talking about unity and one mind that they, they were both being challenged to get into. And we all know, of course, that it's impossible for all of us to have the same mind on something, right? Impossible in the natural. My wife and I are, have been married for 40 years, but there are many issues we still don't have the same mind on. I could say that because she's in there. That's true. If you've been married for any amount of time, uh, I know right now I could I could go home this afternoon and I could immediately start an argument. Right? Absolutely. She knows what could trigger me. I know what could trigger her. So you don't trigger. Say really? Absolutely. So, so unity is not going to be a natural thing. We're all going to have preferences and different desires and things like that. We have to focus our attention on the one thing that's the main thing, and that is Jesus. And when we move away from that fundamental unity on who Jesus is and what he's doing in our lives, then that's when we become Euodia and Syntyche. All sorts of problems come. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I don't want to know anything about you other than Christ and him crucified. That's really all I want to know uh, to the churches that he was ministering to. So it's so important to have this unity. So we're going to look at three quick points this morning. We're going to look at the requirement of unity, the attitude of unity, and the company of unity. We're going to look at the requirement of unity in our first couple verses, and we're going to look at the attitude of unity, and then the company of unity. So first of all, the requirement of unity. Many times we have to, well, I was going to say many times, but probably all the time, we have to disengage our minds and focus on the one thing, that being Jesus. 
It is so important. Everything that we see and hear in the world is a distraction away from Jesus in the natural realm. So it's constant. It's constant. And here's the where, when we get into the, the church itself, here's where we're a bit different from the early church. Uh, in the early church, of course, they met in homes. They didn't have church buildings. They would meet in the synagogue on occasion, but then they would meet in homes. Well, we don't typically do that anymore. We have this building. This is our church home, if you will. Now, if someone invites you over to their house for dinner, you don't walk in and say, oh, it's good to be here. You know, I don't like this wallpaper. When are you going to paint that room? Or, you know, this carpet's looking so... Well, some of you might do that. Dinner will not be fun. But you generally don't do that. You walk in, you eat the food, you laugh, you talk, you have a good time, and then you go home. That's the way it works. So when, when people would get together in their house church for a weekly service of some kind, they probably would not comment on the furniture and the wallpaper and things like that. They came to worship, they came to hear the word, they came to pray for one another, and then go home. Matter of fact, in, in, remember in Corinth, it got so bad, the Apostle Paul had to say, don't you guys have homes to eat in? What are you doing at the church? It's how you're eating and eating and eating and partying and have, go home and eat. You know, it was causing problems. But in our modern church, since we don't have houses per se, we are all going to have opinions when we come into this house, aren't we? Absolutely. When you go to Giant Eagle, you don't, you don't go in and look at the walls and look at the floor and look at the way. You go in, you buy your food, and you go home. When, when, when you go to the Cleveland Brown Stadium, you don't go there. You go there to see one thing, to watch Cleveland lose. That's what you're there for. Very few people are going to go into the Cleveland Browns or Pittsburgh Steelers Stadium and sit there and go, you know, I think they should have moved those over there. And I think, I don't know why they put that there. No, you're there to watch the game and then you leave. So again, I'm not chastening anybody. We're just talking about Euodian Syntyche and something was going wrong. They had two differing opinions on the way something should be done because their eyes were on the wrong thing. And we are all the same, folks. We are all the same. I, I think of one of the greatest examples, I probably have mentioned this, and many of you remember him from the past, my Uncle Leo, my father's brother, Aunt Pauline's brother. Uh, he was just a trip. He would walk into any building, any house, any building, anywhere, and immediately he would cock his glasses, and the first words out of his mouth were, you know, they should have. <laughs> you know, why did they put that there? They could have built that you know, they should have put this, why didn't they, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. And I know when, when he walked into heaven. <laughs> he cocked his glasses and Peter put his head down and went, oh Lord. No, Leo, the throne should not be a half inch to the right. No, no. No, the cherubim and seraphim are there. They stay there. They've been there for a billion years. That's where God wants them. No. <laughs> uh, we've, we've had this here. Now I'll get, I'll get really, really uh, sort of nitpicky and, and down to earth here. But um, when, when, our, when our sign was not 
doing too well and we were getting ready to, to fix it up and everything. We met with the, the board, we'd talk about it a lot. And, and somebody said to me, a couple people said, why don't we get one of those nice electronic signs, you know, with the letters that go by and everything? I said, oh, I don't care. I said, well, we'll call some price. I called some pastors. We called some sign companies. And uh, one of the first places I called, he said, he said, oh yeah, we just got our new one. He says it was $30,000. Thirty thousand. So I called another pastor. <laughs> he said, "Oh yeah, we just got ours in. Yeah, it's it's pretty good, and we have the thing where you can do it from your computer and change it." It was twenty five thousand. And now, of course, you know you're not going to get the 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 one with a lot of pixels on it. You're going to get one. You want the the real tightly pixelated one. So by the time you're done with the electric and with the controller and with it, you're thirty thirty five thousand plus. And then with both of those, that did not include the framing. Now you have to build the framing too. <laughs> so you know if you desperately want that here, just make the check out to Emmanuel Community Church. I don't think it's worth it, folks. I really don't. All I want to know is Jesus going to be in this place. That's what I want to know. Is Jesus going to be here? There are things in the building we always have to repair and maintain. As you've noticed, we've been we've been doing that. Um, uh, a women's restroom, ladies. They're gonna we're gonna redecorate the women's restroom. Now, <laughs> I can say yes to that because I know that there are three women on the board. So already you're halfway there. <clears throat> And it's funny, I was telling somebody this last week. I've been past, I've been in ministry for 41 years. That's a long time. I never once have heard a man say to me, Pastor, the colors in the bathroom, men's bathroom, you know, the countertop in the men's bathroom, can we, I don't know, can we do the tie? Can we do something? Men, we go in, we do our business, we leave. Sometimes we even wash our hands and we go out. Women, what are you doing there? I don't want to know. Don't tell me. <laughs> but think, yes, of course, we need to update things. We need to fix the, fix the leaks. We need to paint the walls when need. We do all those kind of things. But the base requirement is that we have to focus. The requirement of unity is to focus on the one thing, which is the main thing, which is Jesus. That's the most important thing. And unfortunately... These two girls had sort of lost that focus. I, I love, I love uh, John, the 12th chapter. Uh, the word says that there were certain Greek, Greek Jews that were coming in to worship at the feast. And they came to Philip and they said, this wonderful line, what a wonderful thing. They said, we would see Jesus. That's such a wonderful thing. Wouldn't you love that if people came up to you every now and then and said, I'd love to meet Jesus. And, and here's the funny part. This is Jesus. Oh, he's so wonderful. So Philip went and got Andrew, and they went and told Jesus that these Greeks want to come and see you. And Jesus answered, tell them, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. If you want to have your life, you're going to lose it. If you want to lose your life for my sake, you're going to have it. Can you imagine if, if Lisa buzzed my office and said, Pastor, there's a guy that's here that wants to see you. And I say, tell him if he wants to save his life, he's going to lose it. If he wants to lose his life, he's going to save it. I think, I think Jesus knew. Jesus knew 
they didn't want to see him for salvation. They wanted to see him for maybe a miracle. They wanted to see him for something else. They wanted to just find out who he was. He knew that the only reason that you want to be in his presence is to be in his presence, confess your sins, and worship him as his child. There is only one reason to be in this building this morning, and that is to worship Jesus. The fellowship is rewarding. The joy we share is engaging. The worship is invigorating. The brotherhood and sisterhood is necessary. But it's all about Jesus. It's about praying for one another, ministering to one another, seeking his face, and allowing him to be Lord. So so that's, that's, that's why. That's the first thing. That's why we're here. But the second thing is, and I love the way Paul starts this, it's the attitude of unity. There's an attitude that breeds unity. And he starts it in the fourth, uh, first verse of that fourth chapter. He says, therefore, beloved, he says, dearly beloved, two times. He calls them dearly beloved. And then he calls them my joy and my crown. That's wonderful. You could paraphrase that in our vernacular. We'd say our crowning joy. Isn't it wonderful that we can come into this place and regardless of who, who we are, we can look at each other and say, you're the crowning joy this morning. You're the crowning joy of Jesus' life. You're the, you're the joy. You're his joy. You're his crown. I'm his joy. I'm his crown. What a wonderful, we're each other's crowning joy today. Isn't that wonderful? They're not going to get that at the Kansas City Stadium. You don't get that down at the bar. You don't get that in other places. We can come in here and look at each other and say, we're each other's crowning joy. Hallelujah. <clears throat> what a wonderful thing. And, and doesn't that <clears throat> create the basis for our unity? One mind must come from the love of Jesus in our hearts. You say, why? Well, I love these verses, and I don't understand them. I love them. Isn't it wonderful to love a verse but not understand it? It's just so great. Love covers a multitude of sins. Wow. Aren't you glad that the love of Christ covers a multitude of your sins? Aren't you glad that the love of Christ covers a multitude of your spouse's sins and your children's sins and all the sins in this sanctuary? cover. It literally means to hide or to hinder the knowledge of the thing. So when I see someone failing, do I hide the failure and cover it up? Do I stop the knowledge of it? Or do I immediately get on the phone? (laughs) Do I immediately go to disgrace book? (laughs) What do I do when I find someone failing? Do I cover their sin? Or do I talk about it? Because you see, Paul says, love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love never fails. Wow! Oh, that's hard for me as a human. Because I just want to be right so much. And I just want to tell people how wrong they are so much. I know it's just me. I know. Wow. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus said, that you love one another. As I have loved you, (laughs) you have to also love one another. And this is how they will all know you're my disciples, by the love you have for one another. Mm. Guess what? This 
first commandment of love is repeated in John 15. That was John 13. He repeats it in John 15. Then Paul repeats it in Romans 13 and 1 Thessalonians 3 and 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Peter 1. Peter repeats it and then John says it over and over again six times in his little three little letters. He talks about love, 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 love is the basis. Wow. You say, well, wait a minute, does that mean that we just let everybody do what they want to do? No, no. But what it does mean that true love does not ignore failure or shortcoming, but true love covers and atones for failure. And it helps the person to get better. Hmm. Just like Jesus does with me. Even, even tough old James, <laughs> tough old James, that book that we don't really like. He says, he that has turned a sinner from the error of his way will save that one's soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. As we deal with each other's faults, we have to learn how to cover our failures with love and grace. How many know that the, the, right after you got saved, you did not become perfect, did you? It, it, it's taken a while for you to get perfect, right? <clears throat> I am so glad that God covered a multitude of my sins every step of the way to where I'm at right now. And I'm so glad he's still going to cover them. When I confess them to him, he still covers them over. He still atones for them. He still does it. I've said it before. I, I am so glad that when I first went into the ministry and started preaching that people were patient. <laughs> I'm so glad that we're patient with each other because love will continue to cover until we get it right. And all of us are at some stage of getting it right, aren't we? Some are righter than others, but we're all at that stage. So the attitude that has to accompany this unity has to start with love. It's Jesus and it's his love. And when we understand the incredible mercy and grace and love, just like Pastor Steve had said about the suffering, when we understand the incredible suffering that he went through, it helps us to understand, okay, this is bad, but boy, it ain't as bad as that. This is tough. I've been forsaken by a friend, by a loved one. I've been, they've turned their back on me and it really hurt. That spouse turned their back on That really, really hurt in my life. But you know what? I have not had the entire universe and God himself leave me hanging alone on a cross. So if Jesus could suffer that, I, I, I think I can make it through this. I think I can make it through. So there's the attitude. And then there's one last point, and that's the, the company of unity. We are all in this together. Aren't you glad? <laughs> we are all in this together. And, and Paul said, take these two women and, and help them, help them to come back together. Now, here's the first thing we need to understand about these two gals. These were not neophytes. These were not beginners. These were not babes in Christ. There are some that say historically they were perhaps deaconesses in the church. But, but they, so they were, not, they were not newbies at this. And, and we know that because they said, they, he said, Paul, that Paul said, they labored with me. Well, that's pretty incredible that if somebody, the apostle would say of you, I thank so-and-so because they labored with me together for the cause of the gospel. That's, that's quite a reference on your resume, <laughs> the Apostle Paul. And they worked alongside Clement. Later, history tells us that Clement became the first bishop of Rome, the Church of Rome. So Clement was a, was a, a biggie, quote-unquote. And he, they worked with him as well. 
So you say, well, what was happening with these girls? They weren't, they weren't newbies. They weren't neophytes. What was going on? Well, however, the reason, whatever the reason, these, these intelligent women evidently started to think that they were all that. They started to think that perhaps the restroom didn't smell after they left. Maybe they were trying in their own bedroom to put both legs on their pants at the same time and telling people that they could. I don't know. Maybe they thought their ideas were the best. Maybe they thought that they had become indispensable to the church. How many know that there's nobody indispensable to the body of Christ? Only Jesus is indispensable. Maybe they thought that. Whatever the reason, these intelligent, gifted women were doing the greatest thing that could be done to harm the body of Christ. They were destroying unity. That's the worst thing you could do in the body, is to divide it. We are all one, and we all need each other, and we are all no better than anybody else. We all need Jesus. We all need his blood over our hearts and lives every single day, and that's why this is so wonderful that Paul ends that little, that little thing, that little verse. In verse 3, he ends it by saying that their names are written in the book of life. You realize <clears throat> that that is the greatest attestation, the greatest designation that we could ever have in our lives is that our names are written in the book of life. We have passed from death unto life and all together we are in this wonderful book. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians the 8th chapter, yet for us there is one God the Father of whom are all things and we for him and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we live. Hallelujah. Ephesians the fourth chapter, Paul puts it this way. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope of your calling. Do you realize that none of us have any different hope this morning? Think about that. I don't care where you are in your walk this morning. I don't care if you just accepted Christ last week or you've been serving him for 50 years. It's all the same hope. You have, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. There is no other hope that we have. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all who is above all and through all and in you all. Therefore, you and me and all of us are no different than each other. We're all the same. We are for him, we live for him, we move in him, our essence is in him. We are the company of the redeemed. There is only one redemption and it is through through Jesus. We have been born, the word says, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God. Isn't it wonderful to know this morning, each one of you, me standing here, the baby in the nursery, the kids in the other room, we are all born of God. Hallelujah. Nobody else. We're all born of God. According to the word, we are she who looks forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, awesome as an army of banners. Isn't that wonderful? That's from the Song of Solomon, and he's speaking to his beloved, but he's also looking prophetically at this beautiful church that's coming, the bride of Christ. And I'll tell you what, I've called, I love my wife, I've called her a lot of neat things over the years. I have not called her an army of banners. I don't think she would like that. 
But I'll tell you what, we as the bride of Christ are awesome as an army with banners. We are the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, following him on white horses. We are those who are found written in the book of life, who will shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn to righteousness shall be like the stars forever. We are the countless stars of Abraham's promise. We are the descendants of the, uh, that possess the gates of our enemies, the Manifold God, wisdom of God is being manifested in us, in the church, to the principalities and powers of this day. We are Mount Zion, that living God. We are the heavenly Jerusalem. We are surrounded by an innumerable company of angels. We are the general assembly in the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. We are the spirits of just men made perfect. Euodia and Syntyche forgot who they were in Christ for that moment and lost sight of Jesus. Never, ever forget who you are in Christ. Never forget who the person sitting next to you is in Christ. Never forget what we have in Christ. We are the company of the redeemed. We've been bought by his blood, saved by his blood, purged by his blood, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and together we are moving forward to his goal in our lives. That's who we are. Thank God for the book of life. (laughs) Thank God that it's not based on merits, what we've done, what we don't do, who we are, who we aren't, and all those things. It's all and always will be based on who Jesus is. It's not about me. It's about him. Always about him. May we never forget that. May we remember that unity and oneness doesn't come from what we do, doesn't come from what we have, doesn't come from our good ideas, doesn't come from our good preaching, it doesn't come from our good teaching, doesn't come from what we have in a bank account or anything. Unity in the body comes because we serve Jesus, who is the head of the entire body. Let's let him be the head that turns our necks and puts us in the direction we need to go. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Without, without Jesus, we have nothing. Without Jesus, we have absolutely nothing. Help us, Father, to learn, just like we have this wonderful little lesson from Euodian Syntyche. I'm, I'm glad that there are normal people in the Bible. We have this wonderful little lesson that points us in the direction of how to stay unified. And that is to keep our eyes on Jesus to follow after him and to be our goal of course is to be like Jesus for everybody around us to be that bread that is broken for that needy person to be that water poured out to be that sacrifice poured out just as Jesus was to reach out to love to show compassion to show care and to let your Holy Spirit instruct lead guide chasten purge, cleanse, and build that process through them. I thank you for it, Father. We praise you for it, and we receive it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand together. I wonder, we don't don't really know, but if the Apostle Paul said to the entire church, "Um, would you please, would you please help Julie and Kathleen to work together.
I wonder if after a time, Julie and Kathleen learned to work together. Would you please help Bob and Joe work together? I wonder when they, when they heard that being read in public that they went, you know what, I guess we better start working together. So how many know we don't want that? We want, we want to hear his voice every morning, every morning to tell us this is the way, walk in it and keep doing it. Hallelujah. Praise his name. God bless you. Turn around, bless somebody. You're dismissed in his presence. Go forth praising him.